All right, so uh, if you brought your Bibles, I would love for you to get your Bibles out. Um, if you brought your paper Bible, we are. this is our last week that we are going to be in Psalm 23. So Psalms is like dead center of your Bible. So if you just kind of pick the center, chances are you're probably going to find Psalm Psalms 23. Yeah, we're going to talk about verse 6 tonight. Um, if you have your phone and you choose to uh, read your Bible on your phone, you can go to the Bible app. And we also have a, a place for you to write notes. Um, so if you go to the bottom right-hand corner and tap more and then tap events, and then you will see Bethel Church Populate, um, you can um, access our notes there. You can access a couple resources. Um, make sure to save the event so you can access it at a later time. So um, we are going to be, like I said, Psalm 23 verse 6, and this is going to be our, our last week in Psalm 23. And so as we wrap up this week, as we find do our final dive in Psalm 23, I want to remind us of why we have taken time, why we've taken three weeks to walk through this single short six-verse chapter in the book of Psalms. And Really, the goal of these three weeks was um, to explore the tension between what we experience here on earth and what we read about in our Bibles, and to kind of ask the questions of how do we find rest for our souls in the midst of uncertainty and unsettling times? How do we trust that the involvement of God is um, enough in our lives? Um, And how do we ultimately find peace? Um, finding peace in, in life um, is, a, is a really big deal. And um, so that's kind of this main theme that we are talking about. And so I'm going to recap the last two weeks, and then we'll jump into these final, this final verse, and we'll talk about it in our small group. So verses 1 through 3 was our first week. Um, and the key element that we talked about um, was the seemingly peaceful mindset that the writer of Psalm 23 was in. So the tone, we talked about how the tone of these verses seemed like the writer was like a hippie, where he was just off in la-la land, and he was just this like, man, like this is awesome, like life is good. And it's like he had this peaceful outlook on life, and we learned that that is far from what he was experiencing. That's far from what um, he was experiencing in his life and the circumstances in his life. Um, His son was hunting him because his son wanted to be king, and so he was trying to kill him so he could be king early. He was alone in the wilderness. He was hungry, um, and his name was being ripped to pieces. While all of this was happening, happening, he was trying to remember God's goodness. And another major um, idea that we talked about in week one was this question, what if God intentionally takes us through desolate places? What if God intentionally takes us through what Psalm 23 talks about, like the kind of the valley of the shadow of death, um, the the desolate places? Um, We looked at a story in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus instructed his 12 disciples to get um, into a boat and sail to the other side of this um, body of water called the Sea of Galilee. And there would there would be this storm that would arise. Uh, long story short, um, they would be freaked out. They'd be yelling. They would be like, Jesus, why are you doing this, doing this to us? Like, why aren't you waking up? Why aren't you doing this? Do you love me at all? Um, and so uh, Jesus knew that this situation was going to arise. Jesus knew that the storm was going to happen, but he still led them out into the sea. Um, 
he even knew that it was going to strike fear in their hearts, but Jesus used that situation to display his miraculous power and his authority. And this story gives us a glimpse of maybe what David was referencing when he described himself as walking through the dark valley. But to him, it was green pastures and still waters because he knew who held his life together. He knew exactly how it was going to end. Um, Week number two, last week, verses four through five, um, we zeroed in on what makes us feel comforted in the midst of discomfort. And we looked at verses four through five and how David found comfort in the presence of God. He found comfort in the faithfulness of God, and he found comfort in knowing that he belonged to God. And nowhere in verses four through five does David equate his comfort with his circumstances, but instead he finds comfort, like we said, in the faithfulness and the nearness of God. And last week we ended uh, our time with a time of prayer, and we invited people to come and to to pray with youth leaders and pray with their small group leaders just to... um, uh, to, to give you an opportunity to know that you're not alone in what you're experiencing. Like you're not alone um, in the situation that you're facing. You don't have to walk through these things by yourself, but there is a community of people that love you and care for you. Um, and part of um, remembering God's faithfulness is living in community. It's like living within um, what you experience here, what you experience on Sunday mornings or in small groups at people's or in people's homes. You are surrounding yourself that, with people that love you and care, care about you. And so we're going we're gonna to jump into the final week of Psalm 23. Let's stand together as we read Psalm 23 in its entirety, and then we are going to briefly walk through verse number six. Does anybody want to read? Kyan? All right, come on, Kyan. We're going to read Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. Go for it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down. Didn't we read this before? Lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Kyan. You, uh, oh, that's cute. So you might, you know, Kyan, you bring up a really good question. Didn't we already read this? Yes, we have read this multiple times, and I'm going to tell you why we're reading it in its entirety every single week. One, because it's good. And two, um, like here at Bethel Church, we don't just read um, verses. Like we don't just read a single verse. Like we read everything around it. And oftentimes um, when we read a single verse, we forget that it's a part of a bigger picture. And Psalm 23 is short enough for us to be able to read it in its entirety and it doesn't take very much time. And what it does is it reminds us of everything that's taking place. It reminds us of the full scope of what what David is talking about. So that's why we're reading Psalm 23 in its entirety for all these weeks. 
but it's the last time, so you probably won't hear this for another couple years. Okay, so the main thought, if you were to summarize verse number six, you could summarize it this way. The goodness and mercy of God will be with you forever. So we're going to talk about that. What does it mean that the goodness and the mercy of God will be with you forever? So um, as we read verse 6, one thing about this in English that doesn't really sound comforting is the fact that goodness and mercy will follow you. So pretty much in our um, American context, anyone that is following you usually isn't a good thing. You know, usually when someone is following you in the hallway, following you down a sidewalk, um, you're usually not thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, I'm so glad they're following me, especially if you don't know the person. Am I right? You know, like if you if you go to, um, you know, a bigger city where there's lots of people everywhere, sometimes you can feel paranoid and you keep looking over your shoulder like, is someone following me? Or if someone, you're driving home and someone makes the same turns that you're making behind you and you're like, they're going to kill me. Like, I know that they're coming to my house, they're following me, and this is, this is the end. I need to call my, my mom and tell her that I love her. But oftentimes when we think of this word follow and something following us, we don't usually have a positive connotation in um, our minds. Um, but we can also interpret this as like goodness and mercy will follow me. We can also think of it as like the goodness and mercy of God will never catch up to us. It'll, it can kind of feel like the goodness of God and the mercy of God will always be lagging behind me. It'll never be with me or next to me. It kind of makes me think of um, a younger sibling on a bike ride. So our oldest daughter is turning six in a couple weeks, and she um, is pretty good at riding her bike. And her younger sister, Hayden, is four, and she got a Spider-Man bike for her birthday in October because Spider-Man bike is what she wanted. And then the little face on the front of it lights up, and she is ecstatic and loves it. But one of the things that happens when we go and ride our bikes over at, like, the high school parking lot or whatever is she gets so frustrated that Madison is faster than her. Like, she is so frustrated that she can't keep up with her, and when they race, Madison beats her, like, every single time. And so sometimes the goodness and the mercy of God can feel like that. It feels like like Hayden is goodness and mercy, and Madison is us, and it's just, like, never catching up. And um, I know that, that that would be something that we wouldn't find comfort in, something that's never going to be with us. But fortunately, this is not what the original language of follow was describing. The original word, um, radaf, radaf, I'm not, uh, I don't speak this language, so that's just um, my pronunciation. It's defined this way. It says to pursue, to put to flight, to chase, attend closely upon. So what we see here is that David is trying to paint a picture of something that's kind of abstract. So goodness and mercy. It's not these like concrete things like this chair or this person or us in this room. Goodness and mercy are like character traits of God. And so he's painting this picture that God's goodness and mercy will be with him forever because he is dwelling in the house of the Lord. And one commentator uh, talking about verse 6 said this. He says, David acknowledges that his standing with the Lord is not like a visitor who is entertained once and then must leave or as someone who is invited to return only occasionally. David rejoices that he has been given a perpetual place setting at the Lord's table. 
And I want us to picture it like this. I want you to, if you want to close your eyes, you totally can. No one's going to, like, creep up on you or anything. But I want you to picture your best friend's house. I want you to picture your friend's house. I want you to picture their their living room. I want you to th- picture their dining room. I want you to picture maybe your favorite meal that you're, you you um, eat at your friend's house. I want you to picture the, the, the thing that you love to do with your best friend. And to think about how that, you can open your eyes. I just want you to picture it with me. Um, I want you to think, like, when you go to your friend's house and when you have a deep relationship with someone and a deep friendship with someone, it's not just a one-time thing, is it? Like, what you're thinking about in your head has probably happened a dozen times, two dozen times, maybe a hundred times. You don't just have a one-time invitation at your best friend's house to eat dinner, to be at the table, to be with their family, and to have fun together. You have continual access and a continual invitation to be part of their family. And as Christians, we've been given the opportunity to sit at God's table, to be part of his family, not because of what you've done, not because of what I've done, but because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for all of humanity. Because Jesus became sin on the cross so that we could have the opportunity to experience salvation. And so that we can experience our sins being forgiven, our debt being paid, and having an opportunity to once again be in unity with God. And so David is encouraging um, the reader in this original time period, but he's also encouraging us as the readers. God's goodness and mercy will be with you as you dwell in the house of the Lord. The goodness of mercy comes from surrender. It's a surrender that you are lost and you need to be found. And so the ending of Psalm 23 is this. The big idea of all of this is this. The goodness and mercy of God will, be, will always be with the believer. And that's what we want you to, to leave with, not just today, but to summarize this entire, these last three weeks as we've looked at Psalm 23, that the peace of God comes from knowing that God will always be with you, no matter if you're in the, the darkness, no matter if you're in a desolate, a desolate place, a time of confusion, a time of worry and wondering, the goodness and mercy of God is with you. So we're going to go to our small groups. We're going to talk about that with just some two or three very simple questions. And we're going to talk about how we can apply this to our everyday life. And so um, guys are in the back of the room. Girls are in the front of the room. Uh, High school is on this side. Middle school is on this side. And um, when you are finished, your small group leader will dismiss you.